final message today will be given to Mr. Barnabas Grayson entitled, Peace Be Unto You. Good afternoon, everyone. When you get your handout, uh, there's a misspelled word on there, so you'll get 500 points if you can find it. Well, we're still on the uh, count of Pentecost, and this is day, what, 28. I knew that. I just wait for y'all to answer. Now, after his resurrection to life, three days after he was put into the burial chamber, Jesus met with his disciples, and he showed himself, and he showed himself to them. And the disciples were filled with great joy because Jesus was risen from the grave. Now, in our count to the day of Pentecost, we look forward, but we can also look back to the time when the early disciples came to see and understand that death had no hold on the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, our Savior. But here were the disciples, troubled, worried, afraid, fearful, having seen the death of Jesus Christ and fearing the authorities might be coming after them. So when Jesus appeared unto them, he said to them, Peace be unto you. Have peace. Have tranquility. Have calmness. In our count toward Pentecost, we'll look back to that occasion when Jesus rose from the dead. In John chapter 20, here we read the report of the disciples to John, of the disciple John. In verse 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where, where the disciples were assembled, they were assembled there for fear of the Jews. There came Jesus, and he stood in the midst of them, and he said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. And then said Jesus unto them, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. So he repeats the phrase, peace be unto you. So Jesus was reminding them that, they, that he was sent by the Father to teach and show them the way, the truth, and the life that he preached. Now, they now would be sent to preach the same message of Jesus Christ and take it to all nations, and we get that from the day of Pentecost, when the people there were uh, confounded by the languages, didn't know what was going on, uh, 
and that he, Christ, that the Holy Spirit was going to lead them into all nations, bringing that gospel message to those who would accept it and hear it and repent and be baptized. But Christ knew that they would need the spiritual strength to carry out that commission. And when he had said this, when he had said this, grace, uh, peace be unto you, he breathed on them. And he said unto them, receive you the Holy Ghost, which is translated, should be translated as spirit. Now this reception of the spirit was in, in anticipation of the day of Pentecost, when they would be imbued or saturated with the spirit from on high. So have you found in a spell word yet? That's all right. And he said, verse 23, Whoso, uh, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. The, learning, the, the uh, Living Bible has this to say, translates it this way, that if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you refuse to forgive them, they are unforgiven. So Jesus was giving the apostles a privilege of announcing the terms on how a person can receive forgiveness. If one believes in Christ and is doing his will, they can say he's forgiven. Or if they reject him, they can say he is not forgiven by their disobedience and not following the will of, of God. Verse 24, there was there a man named Thomas. He was one of the twelve, called Didymus. Verse 24, he was not with them when the Lord came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he, that is Didymus, and some have called him, you know, Doubting Thomas, as some, you know, today, I remember that, about Doubting Thomas, anytime he spoke the truth about some, someone, uh, there was someone there who would doubt. And he said unto the, them, he said, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into his side, and thrust my hand into his side, it says, I will not believe. So he had to have some physical evidence. He had to see it for himself that he was alive. Then, verse 26, after eight days again, his disciples were within. That is, they were locked in behind closed doors, and Thomas this time was with him. And then came Jesus, the doors being shut. And he stood in their midst, and he said, Peace be unto you. So we see where he, this is repeated three times. Then said he to Thomas, Reach here your finger, and behold, look at my hands. And reach here your hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him after he did that, he said, My Lord and my God. So this is what some commentators say was the high point or is the high point of Christ's teaching of the gospel. But here was a man who wanted bodily proof, not just the word of others, that Jesus was risen. Verse 29, Jesus said unto him, 
Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. I think we would probably fit in that category because we haven't seen thrust our uh, hand into his side or seen the, uh, the wounds of the nail. And this is where we, the, the modern disciples of Jesus Christ, walk by faith, not having not seen his bodily form. But I know there have been times in our life when we have felt that breath of Jesus Christ blown on us and saying to us, uh, when we've been worried, troubled, fearful of death, heard him saying in that still small voice, peace be unto you. And many other signs in verse 30 did, uh, uh, truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So we have the word of the disciples who saw the miracles. Verse 31, but these are written that they might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the, you know, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. That is, you know, through his power, his authority. Now, in Luke chapter 24, this is a long chapter with a lot of excerpts that I would like to look at, but... I know it's long, but I uh, will go over some of these highlights here in Luke 24. Beginning in verse 1, I don't know where I'll stop on, uh, on the verses. Now, upon the first day of the week, in verse 1, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of, of the Lord. And the other gospels and, uh, enhance upon uh, that story. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed there, thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek you the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And so they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and they told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, James, and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles, and they had to go see for themselves to look into the tomb and, and uh, check on it themselves. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher, and stooping, 
down he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Because when they wrapped the body of Christ, they wrapped it firmly around him. But it was remained the same. His, his clo uh, burial clothes were as they were when wrapped around. And so we see a very supernatural miracle that was, that was happening at that time. You know, one would think that uh, the wrappings would have been scattered about, but it was there where he had laid, where they had laid him. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about uh, three furlongs. Now, dropping down to uh, verse 20. The chief priest, uh, they were uh, telling about what had happened and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. And they uh, recited what the women had told them about not finding uh, Christ's body there in the tomb where he had lain. And so when he, uh, then in verse 25, Christ said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And he starts with Moses having at the beginning expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things that concerned himself. And we see verse 20, uh, verse 34, that the Lord is risen indeed. And when he appeared unto his disciples, this, when they were filled with joy, he said, to, uh, but fearful, he said, peace be with you. Verse 36, and as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen, you know, a spirit, a, a being, a, a ghost. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why uh, do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands, my feet that it is I myself handle me and see for a spirit has not flesh and, uh, and <coughs> bones as you see me have. So these things prove to them that this was the risen Christ and that death has no hold on those who follow the word of God as the son of God did. And set an example for them of faith and belief and hope that after this life there is the possibility of resurrection because the possibility stems uh, depends on how you grow the spirit and how a faithful one remains because there are so many things in this world that could change your mind and your hearts to another way. And in verse 29... Jesus, you know, said unto uh, Thomas, Thomas, because you have seen me, 
you have believed, and blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. So it was in that book that Jesus told his disciples that they were to wait there in Jerusalem until they be imbued, that is permeated or soaked with the Spirit from on high. Imbued. <laughs> so I'll just point out the you guys discovered that, right? In the spelling, in the uh, little introduction that I have there, I have endured, should be imbued. I didn't discover that until I almost got up here. So they were to count 50 days on the way to that time of the Pentecost. Now, they, of course, knew that it would lead to, the, uh, uh, to what the Old Covenant referred to as the Feast of Weeks. That is, derived by, you know, counting seven Sabbaths or seven weeks, you know, 49 days plus one more day to arrive on the day of Pentecost. You know, the Greek word we know is count 50. But imagine they're waiting after being told this, that they were to count toward Pentecost. Now, Christ had given them a hint that there was to be uh, power from on high given unto them. So it really probably it would be for me not very easy to contain the excitement, the anticipation of what was to come. So now as they waited and kept up with the counting, there was plenty of time to think back on all that happened. With that, you know, still a look ahead to the day of Pentecost, especially now that Jesus was risen and that they had seen him. So those disciples are not with us today. They all died in faith as some of us will. But Jesus Christ is. He lives. And he is our risen Savior who gave up his glory to be our Savior with, you know, with the promise of life everlasting. We know that he is our high priest. He is our advocate. He is there at the right hand of the Father. And he knows what it's like to face trouble and worries and, and temptations of various sorts. And he did so without breaking any of the laws of God. And he sits now at the right hand of the Father. Romans 8.34, just might want to write that in if you will. It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us so though we do not see him or the father now we shall see them when the time comes at the end of, of the age of man following the great tribulation that is to come before the kingdom of God is set up on the earth now the early disciples for them, the Pentecost would be a new experience, unlike the Feast of Weeks that they had uh, kept and ha were familiar with. And they would see for themselves the power of the Holy Spirit that came with a roar, with, with a wind and tongues of fire. Now, for those of us today who are the modern disciples of Jesus Christ, who believe in him, his commandments, Pentecost, will be the celebration of that holy day, 
that first occurred in commemoration. It will be a celebration, commemoration of that day when the Spirit of God was promised. So between now and Pentecost, though we look ahead and count the days to it, we have looked back to what has brought us to this present time. In Matthew 28, verse 1, Jesus rose at the end of the Sabbath day before the dawn of the first day of the week, and it was dawn on the first day of, of the week, that was a Sunday, that Mary uh, Magdalene and the other Mary, they went to see the sepulcher. Now, here's something supernatural, something frightening that happened. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Verse 2. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat up on it. Verse 3. And the angel's countenance, that is, his visage or his appearance, was like lightning, a flash of brightness, and his raiment white as snow. And verse 4, And at the sight of the angel, the guards shook and then fainted, dropped to the ground, and they laid as dead men upon the ground. But the angel spoke to the women, saying, Have no fear, I know that you came seeking Jesus, which was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said, you know, the three days and three nights. And, and, and the angel said, come see where the Lord lay, said the angel to the women. And they saw the door was opened by the great earthquake. It had been opened. And they went in for that, you know, that closer look. And it was on the, John 20, uh, verse 10 tells us it was on the first day of the week that they, that they uh, that the, saw the stone taken away. In verse 13, dropping down to verse 13, the angel sa said unto uh, her, to Mary, said, Woman, why do you weep? And she replied, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him, supposing that Jesus laid dead somewhere else. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and glanced back over her shoulder, felt the presence of someone standing behind her, and she saw Jesus, but she didn't know who uh, he, that, that it was him. And Jesus said, why do you weep? Whom do you seek? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, she said unto him, if you have taken him from here, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. She still hadn't recognized him. Then spoke Jesus her name, Mary. And she turned again toward the figure, and she recognized his voice, saying, Rabboni, or Rabboni, which is to say, Master. So she recognized that it was Jesus that was speaking to her, and to her it was evidentiary proof that Jesus was risen from the grave. Back in Matthew uh, chapter 28, verses 6 through 10, we find a lot of interesting things that happened at that time, things that we may want to think about more deeply. But verses, uh, beginning verse 6, the angel again you know, said to her, he's not here, he's risen. As he said, go quickly, tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he goes before you into Galilee, there shall you see him, 
Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring word to Christ's disciples. And as he went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by his feet and worshipped him, which must have reinforced, you know, the fact that here was their master standing before them, that Jesus truly was risen. Now, all of these things happened, of course, for our sakes today, to believe the word of God and to believe that the scripture that says thy word is truth and to take it as the truth. So he told them, go tell my brethren, that, and they uh, go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. So Christ was on his way to meet with his disciples there in Galilee. Galilee. I was curious about this word Galilee. I went to Ugger's Bible Dictionary, and he gave some information on this place called Galilee. It was, of course, a familiar place to Christ and his disciples, and it said that the first Unger said that it's the first three that the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and was largely about Christ's ministry there in Galilee. And out of his thirty-two parables, nineteen were spoken in Galilee, and twenty-five of his thirty-three miracles were done in Galilee. And it was in this province that he gave the Sermon on the Mount. And it was also there that Jesus was transfigured. It also includes that the, the people in Galilee, called Galileans, they are described in Unger's dictionary as a generous and impulsive, of simple manners, earnest piety, and intense nationalism. They were excitable, they were passionate, and they were violent. The Talmud. accuses them of being quarrelsome, charged with errors in grammar, with absurd malpronunciation leading to ridiculous mistakes, and that there was a general contempt in rabbinic circles for all that was Galilean. They were easily recognized by their dialect and tone, even as you may remember Peter when he voiced his denial of Christ, that they recognized that he was one of Christ's disciples, one of those from Galilee. So the name Galilee became applied as a reproach to early Christians, and so a law was made requiring that Christians be called by no other name. Matthew 28 again. The, disciple, the, the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where... Jesus had appointed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age or the world. So we know that there is a plan and purpose to our being, a plan and purpose for the holiday, holy days that we observe in, in due season. In Genesis 1, 
We know that God created the heavens and the earth because this is what it says. He created every plant, every creature, large and small, and every kind. But way before them, at least 14 billion years ago, he brought into existence the stars, the galaxies, the planets, and all the elements and powerful forces of nature. And he created, then he created the, uh, the first man, named him Adam, and he created the first woman, named Eve, and is the mother of all living. And to them, children were born, and more children were born, and they began to populate the earth, and they lived hundreds of years. But they were not perfect. They were mortal. They were carnal, minding the desires of the flesh. Now, they knew the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, but they chose to become corrupt, to become greedy, violent, and disobedient to God. So we read where violence filled the earth. Earth became corrupt. The Spirit of God was tried. The people were contentious. But there was no heart in them to change their ways. He gave them every chance to, uh, to repent. So he repented God that he had made man, and now he had to destroy them. Destruction of all flesh was what came before him. And, but he had to put an end to the violence, the unending violence and, and rebellion. And we know about the flood and how Noah built an ark to save him and his family and uh, the clean and unclean creatures that God had, uh, was going to spare. Now, all of this is fantastic and too incredible in the eyes of some. But it takes faith to believe in the word of God, to believe what we read. We know that without faith, as Hebrews 11 6 says that without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we have to continue in confidence that God does exist and that everything that we see around us, every fellow human being that we see, that it was by faith. It is by faith that we trust that God created all things in this world. So, in this world, as Jesus said, we shall have tribulation. We're going to have things thrown uh, at us that will try to dissuade us to make us doubt. So we do have to be diligent, as mentioned earlier in the first message. There is war and fighting ongoing as, as we uh, sit here. Jesus said in Matthew 24, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the last days. You can read that statement over in uh, Matthew 24, 37 to 39. But it was on the day of Pentecost that the men were moved by the message that they heard on that day, when they asked, what must we do to be saved? And the disciples replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Spirit, of course, we know, makes us one of God's children, and without, for without his Spirit, we're none of his. 2 Timothy tells us in verses uh, chapter 1 verses 5 through 9 that uh, the Holy Spirit is a gift 
and that it is given to us. But mankind has been given as a purpose. You and I have a purpose. Sometimes we may not realize just what that full purpose might be. But as we go along and grow, we begin to realize and become ever closer to the Lord our God. <coughs> but we know in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, that it is Satan, that old serpent, that old dragon, who deceives the whole world, and he does not want the nations or the people to have God's spirit. He wants people to indulge in his spirit, his spirit of rebellion and destruction. He even tried to tempt Christ, giving uh, and to have him give over unto his way of life and then destroy him. We know that the devil was once an archangel in God's government, perfect in his ways until iniquity was found in him. We know the story of how he wanted to take over God's throne, God's position, and there was war in heaven. So today, he and his evil band of fallen angels, they, they want to overcome the minds and hearts of God's children to decommit from him, from God's righteousness, from his way of life. We're familiar with the scripture that says the just shall live by faith. We know that people, sometimes we ourselves are materialistic, believing in only what we see, smell, touch, that that's the only way we, like Thomas, that we have to have some sort of tangible proof to see that these things are true. <coughs> Thy word is truth, John 17, 17. And interestingly, as some of you probably uh, know this, because I think we've uh, uh, stated this before, about the word of God, that the divine purpose for our life is found in the pages of the Holy Bible. And if you want to look at physical evidence, here's one way, because it's been discovered that the central chapter of the Bible is a psalm, it's Psalm 118. That's a central uh, part of the Bible. And we see that it is an exhortation to praise God and to give him thanks for his mercy, which says a lot about what the rest of the Bible says about his love and about his mercy and the praise that we give him. And it's it is discovered that there are 594 chapters before and after Psalms 118. And the central verse of Psalm 118 is verse 8, which says, Trust in the Lord and not man, which is the whole aim <coughs> for of God for his creation. That is, you and me and those who come to believe in the risen Christ. And we know that all scripture though it's written by the hand of man, is given by inspiration of God that they may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So if life is not going right, we look at ourselves and compare our ways to the ways of the Bible, to the word of God. 
2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. Here was the Apostle Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So we have this promise of life that Christ has uh, given the promise of in, the, in, day, in that time to come. To Timothy, he said, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being my, mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in you also. So, as children, sometimes we are uh, given instruction and direction and founded upon that rock that is Jesus Christ. And it puts us in good stead on, on the right path to doing the things that that are good in God's sight. And so, wherefore, Paul said, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. We see that to receive the Holy Spirit, there was the laying on of hands after the repentance and baptism. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not you therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor his, uh, nor his, of uh, me, his prisoner, but be you partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God, who has who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I, that's Paul, am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So hold fast the form of sound words which you have heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto you keep by the Holy Spirit which dwells in us. So early on we saw that Jesus knew that we were going to need more than our willpower, but the power of the Holy Spirit in us, indwelling in us. Now, the Spirit of God, of course, is a comforting spirit, but, you know, it's not a person, but it's the essence of God's character and power, his mind that is in us as it was in Jesus Christ. In closing, remember in Matthew 20, verses 19 through 21, when the disciples were assembled 
for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in their midst. And he said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. So we can put our, put our place in, in, uh, with the disciples when they saw the wounds that Jesus showed them. And Jesus himself standing before them. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. So, it's telling them to get on with the work of faith, to get on with the work of love and hope, and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you, to work in us. And so much more as we see the day coming when no man can work. So when we have troubles, when we have trials, when we have pain, when we have heartaches and sorrows and all the things that, you know, we've suffered over time and time, uh, times back and that may some of us suffer again, that in that whispering, that breath that Christ blew upon the disciples, that the words came softly to them us when we suffer to uh, let peace peace unto you be unto you because you know he said I'm with you always even unto the end of the age and that is through whatever tribulation whatever trial whatever is going on in our life that we can count on the peace of God that is provided to us by the Holy Spirit and that day to come, the day of Pentecost, that we will once again be instructed in the Holy Spirit of God and why we, why we uh, come to that point. <coughs>